Hey, I know you're probably driving or running or cleaning the house or doing something else when you're listening to this, but look, if you're a B2B marketer and you need to start generating revenue from your marketing, then you have to check out our 12-week program, the B2B Incubator. It's built for small, in-house B2B marketing teams with limited time and budget. We give you the strategy, the templates, and the tools to start driving revenue, not just leads. So if you're ready to act on all the advice Kevin and I give you, next time you take that first sip of coffee in the morning, make sure you head to the B2B Incubator and apply now. There's only 10 spots available per cohort with our next one launching at the end of May, 2024. Remember, the B2B Incubator, apply now so you don't miss out. We've had B2B marketing managers, CMOs, marketers in demand generals, content leads, and more all go through this program and they're currently executing the demand strategies that they've created. Some are now even contributing as much as 80% of the pipeline to their business after working through it. Make sure you check out the b2bincubator.com and apply now to start driving more demand and more revenue for your brand. Okay, let's get on with the show. Welcome to the B2B Playbook Podcast. Each week, we discuss strategies and tactics to help B2B businesses grow online. We're your hosts, Kevin and George, a couple of digital marketing professionals. We've waded through the noise and made the mistakes so you don't have to. The B2B world has changed and you need to put your customers at the heart of your marketing. We'll cover how you can use our framework, the five Bs, to create a brand that customers are ready to buy from, love and advocate for. We'll get insights from successful people in the industry and cover the latest trends to keep you on the cutting edge of the B2B world. If you're interested in B2B marketing strategies and tactics that work, then this podcast is for you. Subscribe to get the latest from the B2B playbook first. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer. Welcome back to the B2B playbook. Kevin, 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 how are you? Not bad, George, not bad. Uh, enjoying the sunshine while it lasts before we head into another bout of rain here in Sydney. My God, you are so miserable. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> what, what is wrong with you? <laughs> you could have taken that in any direction and you brought us down immediately. You, were, you know what I want to talk about, Kevin? Love is in the air. I was just at a wedding last weekend. I've been invited to a bunch more because, you know, I'm a very um, popular guy or just, you know, I just... <laughs> Just trying to provide as much social security as possible by going out and having a larger network, people pleasing. Yeah, you are likable, George. You are likable. Although some might say too likable and too much of a social butterfly, but <laughs> there I go. There I go, bring you down again. <laughs> <laughs> I think they would be the people who don't like me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Kevin, it was um, it was actually my girlfriend's brother's wedding last weekend, so that was oh, a wow. big big moment for me because it was actually my, I know immediately I'm making his wedding about me, but it was actually my (laughs) first time meeting the extended family, all the family friends, and they'd heard so much. And so my girlfriend basically just paraded me table to table at the reception to meet all of these people. And I'll tell you what, they're all so lovely but every single one at the end of our conversation basically pulled me in and was like, if you hurt her, I will kill you. <laughs> and <laughs> you know what? 
the first five times it was scary, but by the like the fiftieth person, I'm like, well, there's already forty nine other people who were going <laughs> to kill me. Like, I, your threat is no more valid. I'm not scared of it anymore. Um, but yes, lovely, lovely, lovely people. I said, fair enough. My father would do the same thing. Um, probably not for me, but for for his daughter, for my sister. <laughs> so, fair enough. Well, George, that that sounds like a classic big fat Greek wedding moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really was. <laughs> really, wouldn't it be funny though to see? Um, you know, when a divorce is going on, uh, if it reaches the court, then the judge goes, "Okay, and now it's time to bring in the family members." <laughs> for their retribution and um and they get to publicly humiliate or or murder the the man who broke the partner's heart i mean i guess greek tragedies aren't based on nothing (laughs) (laughs) very good very good kevin well george it sounds like you're a man in demand as always and interesting thing about demand that's what we're talking about this week isn't it capturing versus creating demand we are, Kevin, and it's in the context of, of course, our 5Bs framework. And this season, we've been chatting all about the third B in our 5Bs framework, which is about being seen. And it's all about how you can use paid media to amplify your helpful content to the right people and therefore accelerate your growth. We also covered this season, Kev, that really there's two ways to be seen. There's first, the ABM approach, which is the account-based marketing approach and then using paid ads with that demand generation focus. And Kev, today I want to talk about something that's actually really deeply rooted in demand generation, which probably not enough people talk about. And that's the fact that demand generation is actually comprised of both creating and capturing demand. Both are essential and both should work together at the same time. What the hell do I mean when I say creating and capturing demand? Let me help set the scene with a bit of context, Kev. Kev, you and I have seen this story and lived it a number of times ourselves. Now, when many businesses first assign budget to a marketing team, the first thing they tend to do is they throw their money into a platform like Google Ads or Facebook or a review platform like G2 or Trustpilot. Now, more often than not, you start to capture some leads, pretty cheap and pretty fast, but the quality of them tends to vary quite significantly. Nevertheless, Kev, it becomes a source of leads and based on a calculated conversion rate from MQLs to opportunities, MQLs being marketing qualified leads to opportunities, an MQL target is set for marketing along with a bigger budget. Now, Kev, these companies rarely meet those new bigger targets within that budget because of one big thing that they overlooked. And that is that the cost per marketing qualified lead either stayed the same or went up, really against their predictions that it would go down. We've seen it time and time again. And why, Kev? Why is this happening? It's because these companies were only focused on capturing demand when they were operating in platforms like Google. They weren't actually creating it. So what do I mean when I say capturing demand? Well, when you're running ads on platforms like Google and G2, you're really just serving ads to people who are already looking for a product and want a product like yours. They're at the end of their buying journey and all you're doing is capturing them with your ads. So this group of people, Kev, they maybe account for about 3% of the entire market. 
So that 3% Kev of people who want the solution or product that you have, that 3% isn't getting larger unless we are actively trying to make that larger or that category is growing. And that 3% isn't actually becoming any easier for you to win over unless you're creating trust with those buyers earlier in that journey before they then become that 3% who are ready to buy and in the market for a product or service like yours right now. So Kev, what ends up happening? Well, what happens is you and other marketers keep throwing money into ads to grab the attention of the same number of people. Of course, competition naturally increases as you spend more, the price of ads goes up along with your cost per lead and your cost per MQL. And Kev, that is why so many Google ads campaigns start well and then the results plateau or drop over time. Mm, George, that's a pretty good overview of what the experience often looks like. You know, when we're working on client side and, and even uh, sometimes when we talk to other people still in the space, um, still looking to grow their businesses through these demand capture channels, that is the story that we get a lot of the times. You know, there's an initial lift, initial big pickup and in, in leads and things like that, but then they find it increasingly hard to scale, increasingly hard to do that in a profitable way. And they really tap out a lot of these demand capture channels. And that makes sense because you're capturing demand, you're not generating demand. And you keep playing in that 3% like you were talking about, George. Listeners, I wanna qualify this by saying, we're not saying all these ad platforms, the only way to do them is demand capture or that they're just demand capture. Of course, you can go super broad on these platforms and things do get cheaper and you can hit a wider audience. Um, so for example, in Google, you can use more broad terms. You can go broad match for a lot of terms. In Facebook, you can do general targeting of audiences or no targeting at, at all. So they can be, in that sense, less of a demand capture channel. Um, but what we're saying is generally the way that they use within a marketing mix, generally how agencies or in-house marketers or performance marketers use these channels, they optimize them over time to become really good at capturing demand, better and better at capturing demand, but it also has that side effect of narrowing in really closely on the 3% that George was talking about, which means you will hit caps to how much you can expand that 3% and how much you can grow your business with that 3%, particularly as everyone's doing the same thing and that competition grows and your costs go up, your, MQ, your MQL goes up as George was saying. And that's why, as he said, Google ads campaigns, uh, paid social ads campaigns, they will start well, but they will definitely plateau over time unless you're doing the creation of demand as well. Kev, I actually uh, did a post about this on LinkedIn last week and it got a fair amount of attention and I had, I had literally about 10 people message me. This is on top of the people who are commenting on the post itself. 10 people message me and going like, I have really felt this pain. Uh, you know, it happens, it always happens to them is like, you have that great initial, uh, capturing of leads. Everyone's really happy. And then all of a sudden the quality starts to go a bit off. You're not hitting those next targets when there's the next inject, yeah, next injection of money into Google ads. And then further down the track, they go, oh my God, the quality of this is not great. The cost keeps going up. This is a disaster. And it's not really the performance marketer's fault. It's the fault of, I guess, probably the marketing team for not implementing a demand creation program sooner to help offset 
the inevitable uh, rising cost of just capturing demand. Yeah, we often in our early days talking about performance, we often talk about that dichotomy being between, you know, the pay channels and the organic channels like SEO. And in fact, that's not the dichotomy that our listeners and everyone in the B2B space should be looking at. You know, there is an element of that organic uh, being cannibalized by pay channels and organic being the one that is long lasting over time. But that is actually a symptom of what we're talking about here. Uh, a lot of the organic channels are often an indicator or a measure of the demand that you're creating in the market, the creation process. Are you putting out helpful content to bring in people that are interested in your product and brand and your content and then start to get interested and educated and build relationships with your brand in order to become more interested in your products? That's demand generation process that is quasi measured by SEO in in a lot of ways when you're working on a performance angle because that's all you see you see pay channels you see SEO that's what's immediately in front of you but what they don't see is this higher idea of are you actually capturing demand or are you generating demand all right folks quick breather here in my time in B2B marketing, generally I've come to realize that there are just certain tools that can be an absolute game changer. And that's why I'm really excited to talk about Leadfeeder. Uh, it's a tool that helps you cut through the data and turn those website visitors into solid leads and opportunities for your business. Leadfeeder shows you which companies are checking out your site, tracking their behavior, and it integrates all of this with your CRM. And the result is it's basically like a secret weapon for targeted lead engagement, and it really makes it easier for your team to convert website traffic into sales. Head to leadfeeder.com, give it a free demo, and you'll also get a free extended premium trial when you let the rep know that you found out about Leadfeeder through the B2B Playbook podcast. That's leadfeeder.com. Okay, check it out. Back to the show. Well, that's part of the issue, isn't it, Kevin, is that uh, marketers are still measured on things that probably don't really show up that much uh, when they're doing this creation of demand. At the end of the day, most of them get measured on leads that are generated within a CRM, and most of those CRMs work based on first or last click, and rarely is your marketing program that's creating demand, like a podcast or, you know, seriously expert uh, content, like rarely is that ever going to show up in a CRM. And it's something that we've touched on prior as to why people need to look at, you know, qualitative insights and start to use that to report in their marketing, to show their bosses that, hey, this stuff actually works. But a lot don't realize that. And instead, they're just held uh, accountable for an MQL target. And they're just on that hamster wheel of chasing leads. Exactly. The focus is way too much in these platforms on the channels that are working. You know, it's not about the channels. <laughs> different channels have different purposes, but what are you actually driving at? Are you trying to drive demand? Are you trying to increase demand and actually build demand and create demand? Or are you just capturing the demand in different channels? It almost doesn't matter which channel it's coming from. Sure, some are cheaper, some are more expensive, but if you're not generating that demand and you're just capturing in any channel, then that's not really what's moving the needle. That's it, Kev. It's taking it back to real marketing fundamentals and sometimes acknowledging that, hey, you can't actually measure everything in marketing. I think every business needs to, six every six months to a year, just go, what was the total revenue for the business? And then how much did the marketing function cost the business? Employees, amount spent, divide the two and go, hey, did we do better this year than last year? 
because all revenue that comes into the business is a result of marketing because every touch point with a customer has something to do with marketing. Whether marketing brought them in initially through a program or not, like positioning, it has to do with marketing. Your messaging has to do with marketing. Your website has to do with marketing. So I think at the end of the day, we need to actually really take it back to basics to start measuring our marketing programs properly. Oh, that's controversial statements, George. If any of our listeners are uh, on the product side, they might uh, come come at you. Uh, but I do agree with the point that you know it does need to be taken to a high level and, and looked at overall um, as a team effort. And some things just aren't measurable, like you said. Um, short of sitting with every customer that comes in the door and seeing what their process is and, and really recording their journey into the product, uh, you have to take certain things with a grain of salt with a bit of qualitative insight uh, to to inform your quantitative data analysis and that might be enough to to keep growing don't let the lack of visibility stop your growth well that's right and i guess it's probably worth us talking more about what creating demand actually is kev so our listeners can start building a plan to create demand and putting more resources into doing so so I think when you talk about creating demand, I find it very difficult to not talk about the five stages of awareness, Kev. And we did a whole episode on that and what they are, and that's episode 28. But just very quickly, the five stages of awareness is really the five stages that a potential buyer goes through from becoming unaware that they even have a problem to actually choosing your product to solve it. Now, creating demand means not just waiting until they're in the latest stages of awareness to target them, to try and get them to buy your product. It means actually doing whatever you can to usher potential buyers through their buying journey. And that, Kev, means educating, entertaining, being helpful, and building genuine relationships. Now, we are there to help usher these dream customers through the buyer journey, kind of like a Sherpa right? Helps you up a mountain. We're not pushing you. We're not going to just shove you down that funnel or shove you up that mountain. We're going to guide you up there and give you all the tools and resources and everything that you need to get there. And the idea is, of course, once they get to that destination, uh, they give you a big thank you by becoming your client. Sometimes on this podcast, George, I really think you hark back to your roots uh, in many ways. And Sherpa keeps coming up. Uh, I'm not sure if that's something ancestral that's coming through the, <laughs> through the genes over the decades, but that seems to come up a lot. But you are right in talking about this idea of five stages of awareness. I think it's one of those important concepts and guiding principles to really keep in mind when they turn their attention to creating demand. It's one of those things that if you keep that in mind, whenever creating demand comes up, then you're well served in how to approach it. Just think about what are the five stages? Where's a potential buyer at? Am I covering each of those stages right? Is it a journey, a buyer journey that we're really helping usher them through? Uh, Kev, going back to my ancestry, I don't think the Greeks have uh, really been exploring much for the last 4,000 years. We sort of, <laughs> sort of ancient, after ancient Greece fell, we just kind of sat around and were like, ah, oh, we already invented everything anyway. <laughs> and just sort of stayed put well thankfully you've still got your earlier ancestors pioneering spirit um, as we embark on this journey of building the podcast so here we are (laughs) 
But yes, Kev, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, the result is that we've created demand for our product. We're building affinity for it much earlier on in the buyer's journey. So we're not just capturing demand that exists already. So we're making that 3% of people who are ready to buy larger and they're entering into buy mode with a relationship with our business already. So that's really going to help lead them to the logical conclusion that we trust these guys. They're the right solution for us now that we're ready to buy. That's a real double whammy. And Kev, when it comes to how do you actually go ahead and create demand, well, it's by doing everything we talk about on the B2B playbook. So please go back to episode one, where we are showing you guys step-by-step how to create demand. It's exactly what we're doing for our own business too, by having the B2B playbook. It's by first, Kev, very deeply understanding the customer. And then after you understand who they are, what their problems are, what their pain points are, then create genuinely educational and entertaining content that helps them, helps them in their job, help them in their life. Great examples are Chili Piper. I mean, Chili Piper is a lead routing software tool that we've um, we've spoken to Mediolia Adias on the show about before. The tool itself, yes, helps marketers. It's also great for sales teams because it helps uh, then book more appointments. It helps make sure that those appointments are qualified and it helps route them to the same people. And Chili Piper spends so much time talking about demand generation in their business, not because they're selling anything related to demand generation, but because they know that that is a problem that end users of their product are actually having. So it was a way of them embedding themselves in the community, deeply understanding that community, and then being like, hey, we've helped you guys. We know all about demand generation. How about this tool? This tool is probably going to help you out as well. And it's worked incredibly well for them. I hate to use us as an example again, Kev, but of course, I actually secretly do love it because it's related to me and I love talking about myself. The B2B playbook, <laughs> again, is all about generating demand, not just for our, ag- for our agency, but for our program, the B2B incubator. Yeah, George, and just to hark back to a few that we mentioned a lot in the earlier days, you know, HubSpot is a great one all that content around inbound marketing, around B2B marketing that really drives their own uh, funnel and being helpful and driving people towards that brand of HubSpot as a CRM for those kind of businesses. And as well, we talked a lot about Refine Labs. You know, they put out a lot of helpful content around putting together B2B play, a very focused on demand generation, but they're an agency at the end of the day. And I'm sure that is all for the purpose of driving towards uh, getting clients to sign on into that B2B space. I mean, Kev, in my mind, really, very few have done it better than Neil Patel as well. The amount of content that Neil Patel has put out uh, that has positioned him as like the go-to person when it comes to SEO, and now he's expanded it to wider media, it all fuels an agency that he has as well, which I'm sure he's doing very, very well. And that might not be necessarily our goal with the B2B playbook, um, but there's definitely things that we think we can build programs around that will really help people along. But for us, it's the same thing. It all starts with this idea of, hey, let's be helpful to the people you want to talk to every day, whether that's your customers or your listeners, whatever that might be. But that starts with actually deeply understanding who those people are so that you can actually put out actually relevant and helpful content. All right, Kev, I want to take this back to how we use paid media for both creating demand and capturing demand because we are in BC. Part of BC is about how to use paid media. 
uh, when it comes to all the awesome steps that we've done before this and be ready and be helpful. So when it comes to creating demand, the way that you and I really view paid media is it should just be used to amplify the helpful, awesome content that you guys have created to the buying committee of your target accounts. So of the accounts that you guys want to win over, make a list of them, uh, upload them to whatever platform it is that you can target them on. You know, LinkedIn's a great one, or they might be hanging out in different places, right? Do your Dream 100 work. They might be around podcasts. And it's about using that paid media spend to push your helpful content in front of them. And why are we doing that, Kev? Well, we're essentially guaranteeing the delivery of our content that covers that five stages of awareness. So we can really just use it to accelerate the process of building that relationship with our dream customers, with the right people within our dream customers. Kev, I will add one more layer on top of that, and I think we've covered it in an episode already, is you can also use your paid media here in this demand creation phase to really push, I think, I mean, it's probably covered under the five stages of awareness anyway, but that slightly lower funnel, later stage content that's really important to the buying committee, like case studies, testimonials, you know, all the reasons why they should go with your, with your product, you know, educating them on the benefits and the features of your product that are going to make sense to them in their business. That's all still fine for them to do, but we're not measuring it. So we go, okay, based on this, how many leads did we get based on them clicking that ad? That's not what this is about. That's not what creating demand is about. That's it, listeners. So you can see how you can really use paid ads sometimes in basically the same channels as where they're capturing demand, but approaching it with this idea of amplifying helpful content rather than having the message in itself as capturing demand. You know, your typical ads saying, try this, buy now, all that kind of stuff and lower funnel channels like Google ads, G2, what have you, more direct sort of response advertising on socials. All those kind of things are about demand capture but creating demand, you can still use these paid channels to do that as well. It's just about approaching it differently. And that's the point I was making earlier is that we're not saying that any of these channels are just demand capture or creation of demand based. Uh, You can use them for both purposes, but it's just about how you approach it. How do you use it? How do you use each channel for different stages of awareness? That makes all the difference. And Kev, if our listeners do focus on creating demand and pouring more resources into it, your demand capture channels are going to start to work better. I mean, because HubSpot have done so much incredible content, they've created so much demand. If I went and Googled without knowing, you know, too much about CRMs, if I Googled, you know, CRM for growing business, you know, HubSpot can bid on that on something like Google and I'll see their name when it comes up because they're probably running an ad on Google and I'll click on theirs instead of the competitions. So all of it feeds in because it's feeding that 3%. It's feeding that awareness. I already have an affinity for it and your demand capture is going to start to look better as well. All right, listeners. So that's a bit about what is demand capture? What is demand creation? How do you do this with paid ads and, and before paid ads with your helpful content? There's always that piece around how do you measure then that difference between demand capture and demand creation. George, do you want to take us through that as well? 
Yeah, when we talk about demand creation, Kev, I mean, it comes back to the qualitative and quantitative metrics that we've actually discussed in depth in Be Helpful. And I'll have to find the episode that that is, Kevin, but I'll find it and you can link it right into the show notes. But it's hard to measure, Kev, which is why their programs get cancelled. So sometimes we have to look for certain metrics which probably traditionally, well, I guess for a performance marketer, isn't something that they would really look at. So one would be uh, website traffic, right? So website traffic over time is going to go up just because the awareness of your brand is going to be increasing. There'll be more people searching for it. Your website traffic will go up. Marketers are going to want to find ways to get self-reported attribution going. And the easiest way to do that is to add on in a contact field anywhere in your website, whenever someone contacts you, make sure you have a mandatory field. How did you first hear about us? And we very often hear that people first heard about us either through my LinkedIn content or the B2B Playbook podcast. So then all of a sudden, these activities, which would never show up in a CRM because you can't click on a podcast and then come to our website, like you can't do that. Now we know that they're working. We know that they're helping spread our message, that it's bringing people to us. And that's pretty different, isn't it, from demand capture metrics that you would look at. So things like cost per qualified lead, cost per opportunity, cost per sale, customer lifetime value, CAC, whatever it might be. It, it is very different um, for traditional performance marketer to look at these different things or even people in a business to look at these things versus what's actually measuring demand creation, which as we've been talking about all episode, that's really where the lever is. That's where you really need to focus your attention because you're going to tap out that demand capture and the metrics that measure that pretty quickly. Yeah, that's right. I mean, look, there are definitely more metrics that people can look at, Kev, when it comes to demand creation. And again, we have covered them in an early episode and I don't want to spend this episode going that deep into it. But you're right. It's different from the ones that you would look at for demand capture. But then, Kev, again, at some point, we have to measure it all together. These two things work in tandem. They're not really separate. So we're going to look at, did our marketing function generate more revenue or less? You know, uh, how much qualified pipeline was actually driven and i know a lot of companies like to try and break break that up into like how much did marketing influence for that pipeline um as i said kev i have that view that marketing is everything so i don't really like to do that as much because i think it can sort of pigeonhole us and force us to make distinctions where perhaps it's not really that necessary yeah and at the end of the day george i agree that there's a certain level of accountability that that can be measured, that can then be iterated on. But if the business is growing, if, if we're doing all the right things, you know, how important is that? You, know, you have to make a call for each business. That call is different. How much resources do you need to invest into making that distinction? And is that worth it? That's a question I, I definitely think is worth asking that isn't really asked before people start jumping into attribution, right? Totally, Kev. And particularly you know, once you have quite mature marketing programs as well, there is a good chance that any element of marketing that you're doing is touching an existing customer, a dream customer. And so then any interaction they have beyond that, you know, perhaps a a meeting that they had with sales went way better because of the helpful content that you've been putting out there because they're now more educated and ready to buy because you've done all that work. But that just might never, ever show up. It might not show up in a sales conversation. It might not show up in your CRM. That person might not even remember that that's where they first came across you. 
But we know as marketers that that is actually probably an important touch point. So we can't discount it. That's it, George. All right, listeners, key takeaways for this episode. Healthy, sustainable B2B growth is going to have a mixture of creating and capturing demand. Many businesses don't create demand because it's hard to measure and quickly find out that capturing demand alone does not scale. And finally, creating demand is done by ushering the dream customer through the five stages of awareness. Very nicely done. Thank you, Kev. Listeners, you can find links to everything we discussed in the show notes. And we're so grateful that each week, more and more marketers, Kev, they really are, aren't they? They're tuning in every Monday. And if we can ask just one thing, listeners, it would be to please leave us a short review on whatever platform it is um, that you listen to us on, or even better, pass the podcast onto someone who you think would get value from the show. It's a huge help to us, and we would really appreciate it. Thank you, Kev. Thank you, listeners. Take care and see you next week. Thank you, George. Thank you, listeners. See you next week. A quick note before you go, listeners. You can find more great content and get in touch with us at theb2bplaybook.com. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and our newsletter while you're there to get the latest news, tips, and resources from our playbook. We'll be back the same day and same time with another episode next week. Thanks for tuning in to the B2B Playbook. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer.